It's Truck Show Podcast. I'm Lightning. He's Holman, and he's the guy that had a great Father's Day. He's the guy that has a family that loves him. This is the guy that has a family that forgot about him. Uh, you're pointing to yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I heard you got like a tie or something. Nope, I didn't. Uh, I heard that you got a uh, gift card to Home Depot. That didn't happen. I heard that uh, your wife, uh-huh. because you, you gave her the gift of two lovely boys, mm-hmm. made you breakfast in bed. That's not true. We were camping uh, just uh-huh. north of Santa Barbara, Okay, and that was my gift, that I got to go camping with the family. Uh, and I showed up a day and a half late, too, because I was working. Huh. So oh, That is a little bit different than my uh, Father's Day. Yeah, you've got a Jeep and, uh, and a present that we're going to have to talk about uh, after the intro. Okay, already. yeah. So I'm jealous of you and your family at this moment. <laughs> well, thank you, I think. <laughs> All right, so here's what's going on on this episode of the Truck Show Podcast. We're going to check in with Dan Greck. If you haven't heard the name... Ooh, ooh, let me think. Did he spend 999 days traversing the continent of Africa uh, over the course of 54,000 miles. Why, yes, good sir. That Dan Greg. Yes, that's uh, the guy. Well, here we're going to talk to him on this episode. That is absolutely true. We are also going to finally read your email. I think uh, Santa doesn't have a sack big enough to uh, haul the email that we have well, around. We do have a lot of email. <laughs> uh, you guys have been uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> now, if you'd only be that prolific with uh, the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. I think we need, uh, yeah, we need to do a better job on our social media and to promote that number. Oh, I think. you know, uh, you mean social media where I haven't posted uh, our episode? Episodes, uh, for like two weeks because I've been so busy. That one. Yeah, I needed to get on uh, some recaps. Yeah. So Instagram at Truck Show Podcast, Facebook at Truck Show Podcast. And what am I missing? Twitter? No, no. At Truck Podcast. We're not at that one. We don't do that one. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Okay, so one more question before we get into the yeah. show. What's this about you driving a car, a Sentra? It's okay. So uh, funny story. Does that Did it feel I, weird? What I, happened? Yeah, I never drive cars, ever. Like, I can't even remember the last time I drove a car. Did it feel like you were putting on your pants backwards? Something like that, yeah. And uh, it was Did weird. Did you feel I was, my, low, too low to the my ground? My butt was too low to the ground. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, uh, the Nissan Sentra got uh, redesigned, and it's a sexy-looking little car. And so I was kind of curious. So I reached out to our friends at Nissan. I said, oh, hey. You really you reached out to Nissan? Yeah, I, really, I actually liked the way it looked, and I heard good things about it. And so I said, uh, can, can I borrow one for a week? And they said, yeah, absolutely. I said, I know uh, we do trucks here, but I would love to uh, get some seat time. So I had it for a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a badass little ride. Like, I was really impressed. How's the get up and go? All right. So it has a 149 horsepower, little four-cylinder. So th- this is not the plug of the commercial for Nissan. Like, this no, is no. Just this is, <laughs> I actually, I just want to go drive a Nissan Sentra. And, uh, and I did. So check it out. They start at $19,000. That's a good-looking car, by the way, with the black top. So uh, they think they have three models. Which one did they give you? So they gave me the uh, SR, which is the top of the line. Mm-hmm. All right, so so imagine this. A nice, sporty-looking little car. Had the round-view monitor, which you like to call the God view, mm-hmm. right? Has LED headlights and a signature daytime running lights. It has six-way power-adjustable seat, a sport leatherette appointed seats, but they actually look like leather and feel. They don't feel cheap. They don't feel like vinyl. Uh, heated front seats, heated steering wheel, Bose premium audio system, and the big screen on the dash. Guess how much it costs? Uh, twenty-eight. Twenty-two-seven. What? I was driving a twenty-two thousand seven hundred fifty-dollar car around, and it had like everything. It had a stitched dash. It had the nice display, little sporty steering wheel with the flat bottom. 
How long did you have this thing? Uh, for a week. Okay. And they get like, uh, you know, 30-something miles to the gallon on the highway. At 22 grand? For 22 grand. What was the Nissan Sentra that was the sleeper, like, hot SER. The SER. That was like 92. Okay. 92, 94, Those somewhere in there. Those are still sought after, aren't they? I know they are. And in fact, I had a friend in high school who had one, and that was sort of like the beginning of the factory JDM movement. For I know we're, we are normally talking about trucks, but it harkens back to those days where you know I, I drove around in uh, in uh, Japanese cars because a lot of us got the hand me downs from our parents, and so that was my first car. Sure, but yeah, so he had. A, I love a the red parents, one. the parents that accidentally bought the SERs and didn't yeah, know. It, no, they knew. I think that car in its day had like 140 horsepower, which normally aspirated, which was a big deal. So anyway, uh, if you want to check out. The Sentra, the Titan, <laughs> Titan XD, the I don't, think, I don't know that the they're listening for cars and yeah, sedans. Well, NissanUSA.com. You know I mean? Hey, well, yeah. hey, we're talking about it. So, uh, again, this is not Nissan saying, hey, do you want to say anything about the Sentra on the podcast? No. This is me going, it's a pretty good little car. And for twenty three grand, dang. I'm not aware of another car with those features at that price. That's Or, or one that's that good of looking. Yeah. I mean, because normally like that size of car, that sort of compact class, it's like the darling of rental car fleets. And they never look cool. And they always have like little itty bitty tires and that big body line between the top of the rear fender and like where the window or the trunk lid is. Sure. And they just look it's, out of proportion. It's like where the designer just gave up. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> like they got to the back of the car and went, nah, I'm out. Yeah. And uh, the Sentra, it's low to the ground. It's wide. It's sporty. And it was a lot of fun to drive. So anyway, just I'm just throwing that out there. It was, uh, it was a pretty cool ride. And appreciate uh, Nissan for uh, letting me uh, into a Sentra for a week. Yeah. Or just buy a Titan. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. The best in the business. Well, for the price of the other guy, buy yourself a Titan and a Sentra. Oh, that's true. Uh, his and hers. Or uh, your daughter going off to a college or something like that. That's a good plan. She wouldn't uh, She wouldn't kick the uh, Sentra out of the driveway, and neither would I. No way. Uh, but the only problem with a Sentra is that you can't put a decked system in the trunk. Hmm. At least yeah. that I'm aware of. Well, that's a, that's probably a solid point. So yeah. I'd say uh, if you want to use a deck system, head over to uh, NissanUSA.com and check out the Titan. Titan XD, Envy Vans, Nissan Frontier. And uh, if you want a deck system for that, head over to decked.com and you'll see one of the best storage organizers in the entire world for the back of your pickup truck or van. What if you could put a Sentra on a deck system in the back of your truck? I think if you had two Titans back to back, you could put a Sentra on top, half and half. <laughs> yeah. Because the Sentra's way less than 4,000 pounds. That's true. Yeah, because 2,000 pounds per deck system. That's what I'm saying. So here's the million-dollar question for All right, you, Holman. I'm waiting for it. I'm ready for my million-dollar reward. What's wrong with Dan Greck? Nothing. Oh, I know. He has to come after the intro. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with the truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. All right, Holman, so what you're telling me is we're going to call Dan, and Dan is borrowing a phone? Like, what's happening here? Because Dan, it says right here in his bio yes, I that, saw that he doesn't own a phone, as a, at least of right now. Well, it's the whole thing of uh, he's a uh, world traveler living out of a Jeep. Sure, but he, apparently he's got a laptop because, like, I can Skype you guys. Yeah, so of course. we're going to landline, we're going we're gonna to cell phone call to... 
his I don't know. There's going to be some there's going to be some technology magic that allows us to connect with each other. Right. So uh, I feel like it would be easier for us to call the SpaceX astronauts <laughs> than it would be to uh, to call Dan. All right. Well, well let's, let's let's try it, and okay. we'll see if we can make the connection. Now, the number on your pad of paper is a thirty-digit number. So where? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not actually thirty. Okay, it's twenty-nine. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and uh, minus ten. Okay. Nine, eight, <laughs> seven, six, five. Is he in space? Four, three. <laughs> not currently. Two, I don't okay. think. One zero. Ignition. All right, ignite and uh, give him a call. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service oh, at this time. Holman. All right, let's see if he picks up. I'm going with maybe. Hey, Sean, this is Dan Greg speaking. Hey, it's Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast. How what, you doing? What's going on, Dan? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We are fantastic. Hold on just a second. We have a quick intro to play. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share a story. Pull up a stool and share. How about you pull up a stool and share with us? And uh, we got uh, Dan Greck on the phone who uh, has a lot to share, like his... uh, 53,726-mile Africa journey that lasted 999 days visiting 35 countries out of a four-door Jeep Wrangler JK, for starters. Now, wait a minute. You're making all of that up. No. None of that's true. No, Dan is... Uh, Dan he spent a week in Hawaii on the beach. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it was all, uh, it was all really props in... Show. That's right. It was all props <laughs> in the studio. What's going on, man? Uh, excited for your, uh, your volume two of your, uh, of your book series. Yeah, I'm really excited too. The book's actually finished. I'm just waiting for the world uh, for coronavirus to end before I can get it out to people. Well, I uh, I was a uh, Kickstarter, bought it, and I paid extra to have you sign it. So I want a very uh, special note in now, there. Wait for a minute. A, how did you find out about the Kickstarter campaign? And B, how much did you pay for the signature? So I met Dan back at uh, at SEMA. We were on some uh, overlanding panels together. We got to talking. And did we have him on the show? We yeah. He was in a, a just quick segment from uh, back in SEMA. I think it was uh, probably day three or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to talking, so I started following him on Instagram and found out a bunch of my friends followed him and started seeing some of his adventures. I now, said, wait a minute. Did you become a creeper? No, 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 no. I don't, okay. I don't follow people you, the way you do. It I wasn't see. in person. It was what only over talking? the phone. Okay, all right. <laughs> and uh, so we started, uh, we started to get to know each other a little bit and uh, found out he had his, his book coming out. And I said, well, I, I want a piece of that action. And uh, his Jeep was at SEMA. And one of the cool things about it is it is uh, on the hood is a map of Africa with mm-hmm. the line of everywhere he went. And it looks like it's a uh, like a bunch of spaghetti noodles. Like it's all over the place. <laughs> but it, it's not something like something that you would create a phallic symbol. No, 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 no. no? Okay, this is good. this is very professionally done. Okay, okay. Got it. <laughs> so Dan, tell us how did this whole adventure get started with you? Well, it's it's a bit of a long story, but I, I used to be an engineer, and I realized sitting at a desk just wasn't making me happy. It's not what I want to do with my life. Um, and I'd always wanted to go to Alaska. So I was living in Canada. I drove up to the Arctic Circle. I hung out in Alaska for the summer. I loved it. And then I turned around and I drove all the way down to Argentina. So I drove the whole <laughs> length of the Pan American Highway, 40,000 miles, 17 countries over two years. Uh, and I mean, you know, to say it changed my life would be an understatement. I had such a good time. And, you know, it was the epic adventure that I'd always wanted my life to be. And ever since then, I've been trying to make that my life. Let's rewind just a little bit here. Tell us about what kind of an engineer 
were you and like how, how bored were you at the time? Like, I mean, it's pretty extreme, you know what I mean? So let's go back in time. There we go. Yeah, I uh, went to university in Australia. I studied computer software engineering. So I was a computer programmer. And, you know, actually, the job is okay. I don't mind it. I like using my brain. But I realized, you know, people I was working with, they had been sitting in that building for 35 years doing exactly the same thing mm. every day. And I, it occurred to me, you know, I could just blink and 35 years will go by and that'll kind of be my whole life. Yeah, Holman and I have kind of done that. <laughs> and then you said, I'm out. That's it. Yeah. Now, so how did you take the leap and how, what was the last day well, on we, the we job should, like? We should be honest because uh, I, think, uh, I think my man Lightning here, you know, it takes him that much to, to get out of the house and go to work in the morning. You went to Argentina. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I started saving money and I just knew that, you know, money would buy me time off work. And I had a little Jeep Wrangler already and I had, you know, a ground tent and kind of a camp stove and some basic hiking stuff. And I thought, I'm, I'm just going to go and have adventures and see what I can find and see what I want to do with my time. All right. So how well versed in like hunting, fishing were you? Or I mean, or, or how about, well, so, uh, for example, if, entering well, countries? Well, that, yeah. Well, oh my <laughs> right, God, right. I don't even know where to start. So I'm just thinking like living off the land or were you doing, were you easing into it by going to restaurants and things like that? And, you know, local cuisine, things like that. I, I'm interested how, how you just go from a radical life change into outdoorsmen. Oh, I wasn't living off the land back then by any means. Um, I was just camping. So, you know, I'd go to a supermarket and buy whatever groceries and then kind of cook all my own meals myself just on my little camp stove. Um, yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't hunting or fishing back then. But like Sean said, the, the biggest thing you have to think about is how to cross all of the borders and how to do all of that in Spanish which at the time I had absolutely no idea I was clueless. No way. My, my wife's uh, half Mexican, and uh, she's only taught me the bad words. Does she speak <laughs> fluent? I can't remember. Does, does, she, she understands fluent? it, she, but she doesn't like to speak it. Oh, really? Yeah. But she knows what I'm saying in my very <laughs> spinglishy kind of way. Mm. <laughs> uh, so what is it like? How hard is it to you know, immigrate in and out of these countries as you're traveling? I mean, like you said, it was it was – what, 13 or something on the Pan-American Highway trip? How many countries for that one? Seven, 17 on 17. that one. Okay. You know, it's not nearly as hard as everybody thinks or assumes. It really is like keep a smile on your face, be friendly, and you just sort of make it up as you go along. And, you know, like the worst border crossing I ever had, I think, took four or five hours. And most of that, I was just sitting in the shade drinking cold water anyway. So it wasn't a big deal. Now you're not an a-hole American, so like you've got the <laughs> yeah, cool, they, they like you. Yeah, you got the cool <laughs> Aussie accent, or you, or maybe you're in the middle of uh, uh, South America, and, or and they they've never heard your accent before. Potentially, you're in some weird podunk town. They're like, and they're looking at you with wide eyes, thinking, "Where's he from? Where's he from? He's like a Martian, right? <laughs> Come on in, hang well, out." Know, it's kind of funny, you know, because I'm a white guy and I'm driving a Jeep, and so actually most people do assume that I'm American and. And especially all across Africa, people would always give me thumbs up and be like, hey, America, you know, good stuff. Well, you also have that, uh, that Texas accent. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right, yeah. And, and it was never a problem. They never were, like, angry or upset or anything. I'd just walk over and shake hands and, oh, man, how are you? Like, you know, and they want to talk about movie stars or football <laughs> or whatever. Now, yeah. what years was this? I mean, is this before everyone kind of hated us as Americans? The American Highway was, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. was 10 years ago. So that was 2009 to 2011. Okay. 
And then I had to go and save up money again and plan and kind of scheme. And then Africa was 2016 to 2019. So when you were in the South America uh, journey, the first one on the Pan American Highway, you talked about camping. How did you figure out where to camp and not be bothered? Was it private lands? Were you able to find, is there any type of thing like a BLM or public type land that you can camp on? Did you find, uh, you know, landowners and say, hey, can I uh, hang out here for a few days? How did that work? And how did you not get mauled by wild animals? Kind of a bit of all of that, actually. You know, some places have legitimate campgrounds and they look like you think, you know, and they, they even have Wi-Fi and a swimming pool. And so, you know, maybe it's $5 to pay for camping. And you are so places... bougie, Dan. I can't believe you're so bougie. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, other places, like when you're down in the Andes in Chile and Argentina, it's like being in Alaska. There's just like wilderness and you can kind of just camp anywhere you want. And so, yeah, it's sort of like BLM land. Um, and then kind of a little bit of everything in between. Sometimes maybe a farmer would be around and I would ask permission. Sometimes people would just invite me and be like, oh, yeah, look, you can camp behind our community center. No problem. So it was like kind of a little bit of everything. Now, what was the uh, the obviously for the African trip, you had a JK with the Ursa Minor top on it. What was the vehicle? You said a Jeep for the Pan American one, but was it a TJ? Was it a early JK? What was it? It was a TJ, yeah, with a soft top, uh, and it actually had the two and a half liter four cylinder engine. Oh my so it was God. like I won't even let my friends go wheeling with me now with that engine. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe was, you traversed like, the world. It was the most bone stock TJ on the planet, and it was fantastic. It never broke down once, and it took me everywhere I wanted to go. Well, he was not in a hurry, Holman. <laughs> yeah, clearly. He didn't do like he 90 on the 405 freeway like you did. Well, he didn't want to get back to that uh, desk in the engineering uh, company. So No. <laughs> urgency to get anywhere. What's that like? That must be nice. Free? <laughs> freedom? It smells like freedom? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they uh, they say America's the land of the free, but I think uh, I think Dan figured it out. Yeah. Hey, when you're cruising around, you forgive me for, ask, for asking, uh, Dan, are you a single dude? I am a single dude, yeah. And did you have the opportunity to, uh, to find uh, dates along the road? <laughs> Um, yes, I did. There are other travelers, maybe in vehicles or backpackers. Um, there's quite a big expat community in tons of countries, so it's not hard to meet other English-speaking people. Um, and then also, yeah, locals as well. So let's talk about the build for the Africa. And how did Africa come together? Okay, so you, you did the Pan American Highway and you went, oh, there's something to this, but I want to get serious. And obviously 999 days on the road is pretty serious. How did you finance the Africa trip? How did you get everything over there, and how did you decide that's where you wanted to be? And and frankly, I think you're a puss for not going that one extra day. Like, seriously? 999? You can't do one more to hit 1,000? It would have looked a lot better, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Four digits. When I got back from Argentina, I actually, I was totally out of money, and I went back to an engineering job. And it was hard, but at the same time, I knew I was saving up for something epic, so it was worth it. And I realized that the parts of the trip I loved the most were when I was like really remote, really wild, like totally off the map. And so a few people that I met along the way and friends, they were like, oh, Dan, you should definitely check out Africa. If, if that's what you love doing, like especially West Africa, you know, like going to the Congo, going to Mali, like it is off the map by definition. And so that became my dream. And that that's what I was saving money for. And then kind of everything was working towards that goal. 
on the build, you have the, uh, I guess you have an Ursa Minor. So for people who don't know, if you're not in the Overland or Jeep community, it's basically a replacement hardtop that's also a pop-up tent, right? So it's a rooftop tent that's integrated into the vehicle. Uh, and you've got, it looks like 33-inch tires and some max tracks and extra fuel on an AV Caddy and a few things. What were the parts that you would recommend people would need? And what do you think is stuff that, that people typically add to their Jeep that wouldn't help you on this type of uh, expedition. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And, and, you know, driving to Argentina, I learned a heck of a lot about living out of a vehicle for a long time. And number one thing people need to think about is like living comforts because you really are living in the vehicle. So it's like, where are you going to sleep? What are you going to eat? You know, do you want a fridge so you can eat fresh food? How are you going to cook that? How are you going to stay out of the rain? How are you going to deal with mosquitoes? It's, it's kind of more about how do you actually live life. And then, you know, the vehicle itself, yeah, sure, you know, upgrade your tires or put a winch on the front, but those aren't actually so critical. And, and so I would say, you know, really focus on making the creature comforts a priority because that's going to determine how much you enjoy the trip and whether or not you kind of just want it to be over because you're sick of, you know, living in this really uncomfortable vehicle or whether you're actually enjoying yourself and you say, wow, I really want to keep doing this. Did you ever consider a trailer? Because they've got some pretty nice trailers you could pull behind. Yeah, I personally, I'm just not a trailer guy. Trailers suck off-road. Probably, probably I, only towed one like 10 times in my whole life. I can't reverse them, you know, for a dam. So I just, I'm personally, not for me, but they do have some big advantages. I can see why people like them. They're just, they just suck to tow. Like nothing's worse than off-roading and you have a, little stupid trailer behind you. I know there's a lot of people who love them, but I'm with you. It's just they're just not for me. I just I don't I feel like I can't do all the things I want to do with that lugging that thing behind me. Well I, I got I'm thinking because he's talking about food and, and, yeah, and, but and all I mean, the necessities. You can you can tow a lot more with you. You know you could have yeah, your Yeah but you're one guy in a four person Jeep, right? So you it's amazing how many creature comforts you can build into a Wrangler four door platform. But you know how much you eat, Holman. Yeah, that's why you have to have the big fridge. <laughs> they don't. Oh yeah, a full like Sub Zero sticking out the back. <laughs> yeah, that would work too. You, you're, you'd have to upgrade your inverter. Yeah. Hey Dan, what was the best mod that you did? What was the one thing that you used all the time that you were glad you spent the money to outfit? It's not a common one, but actually, I built in a drinking water tank underneath the Jeep. Okay. So I mounted a tank. I've got a pump, a filter, a UV treatment lamp. So I actually have like running drinking water inside the Jeep. And I use that thing five times every single day for three years, and it was like absolutely killer. I would do that with like a um, a twenty gallon Camelback bladder, and I would just run it right up to the front seat, and I would just suck out of it all day. <laughs> well, it's funny. Before I left, I, I shipped the Jeep to Europe to start the trip, and so when I was in Spain, wine is like unbelievably cheap, like a euro for a bottle. Until at one point, I contemplated filling my water tank with red wine. <laughs> uh, my dad used to have a Boda bag that we would uh, we would go hiking and stuff. And there were rumors that the uh, the guy's Boda bag didn't have water in it. We would go hiking with just all, rumors. It, Joe, I'm just saying. Just rumors. I'm just right. saying. You know, they. Uh, I wasn't allowed to drink from the funny juice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so what what did you do for vehicle maintenance? Obviously, you're covering tremendous amount of miles over varied and severe terrain. Um, and you're probably not using the highest quality gasoline, I would assume. So what did you do to make sure that the, the Jeep remained reliable throughout the journey? Yeah, um, kind of every morning I do a walk around. I just like to, you know, put my hands on the suspension and kick the tires and make sure nothing looks out of place. 
And then every 6,000 miles, I do a pretty thorough round of maintenance. So start with an oil change and a tire rotation, you know, and that lets me see and look at everything. I grease the U-joints, grease the ball joints, and then kind of just go from there and, you know, have a really good look at everything else, you know, clean the air filter, all of that sort of routine maintenance. So I did that all the way down the west coast of Africa. And then at the halfway point, I did a much bigger round of maintenance. Now, so are, are, are all- you, Dan, Dan, are you going to like um, mechanics? Or are you doing this on the side of the road or in the outback? Like where? I, I like to do it all myself um, because then I know it's done properly, you know, and, and when you rely on your vehicle so heavily, it, it just would be, you know, a disaster if someone's like, oh, yeah, you know, I forgot to put the sump plug back in. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I do it all myself, sometimes on the side of the road. Sometimes I'll go to like uh, like gas stations. They sell oil in Africa typically. And then the, if you buy the oil, they'll change it for free. But what I would do is I'd say, hey, you know, I'll, I'll do it. You just stand around and watch me. And they were always confused by that, but they were fine. Like, they didn't care. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, like, you know, drive it over a pit where I could walk underneath and have a good look. Um, so it was kind of, I, I just made it work, whatever I needed to do to get the job done. Now, Dan, I hear from Holman that you recommend for overlanders larger than 35-inch tires for everyone. 40s, eh, 42 wrong, is better. I know. Wrong, I'm, I'm, listen, wrong, I'm wrong. trying to provoke him. I get it. I get it. So let's talk about this. Now, you did most of your trips with 33s or under, correct? Yeah, that's right. And why? You know, the list of reasons is as long as my arm. Um, it comes down to cost. It comes down to gas mileage. It's tire availability. It's reliability. It's a whole bunch of reasons. You know, if, if you stick with tires that are closer to stock size, you're just going to have way less headaches and way less problems. You didn't have any issues getting over uh, big boulders or anything? <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, in the Congo, there were probably a few times I was scraping the belly and scraping the diffs, you know, where if I had 37s, I probably could have just breezed through. But, you know, the other reason, I really like having small tires because it means the first thing I break is traction. And when, when you're in the Congo, getting wheel spin in a mud pit and then having to use the winch, that's kind of the best thing you can hope for. Because the worst thing would be if you had huge tires, you get a whole ton of grip and then you break your U-joints or something in your axle. Like that would, I mean, in the Congo, that would be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, that would be where you just uh, burn it and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no walking away, the wild animals out there. Yeah, I guess what well, you just live the out Congo. of it right there. Uh, is, is the Congo one of the most dangerous Parts of the planet? The Congo is, yep, that's correct. Tell us what kind of insects and weird animals you encountered. I thought you were going to say eight. No, well, (laughs) maybe. Uh, I definitely encountered my fair share. Uh, I got malaria twice. Oh, yeah, that's no fun. No, it was not fun at all. I don't recommend it. Don't just gloss over malaria. I don't even, what do you do to get over malaria? Where do you go? How do you handle it? You're by yourself. Yeah, there is like sort of a cure medicine that you can take that supposedly helps. Um, With Cipro, I think, or something like that. I got over it in like three or four days, and it was just like a really bad flu, I guess. I was exhausted and and felt like crap. But then the second time, I was on the side of the road actually traveling with a German couple in Angola, and it absolutely floored me. For five days, I didn't function. Uh, I lost 20 pounds in five days. Oh, oh my <laughs> lord, man! Maybe I should yeah. get malaria. I know, I know, I was say, we need to go on that diet. <laughs> you know, I went to Africa. I've gone to Africa a few times, and uh, the first time I went was uh, sub-Saharan in uh, in Zambia, and so we had Cipro pills and all that. And we had to get all the shots before you go there. And man, I'll tell you, Africa's amazing. 
But you were Amazing. on a tour. You weren't doing what Dan was doing. Very, very different. Well, no, no. I mean, we still camped at night. We were, yes, we were on a hosted trip. It was still five days. We, the part of our route was on elephant trails that no vehicles have ever gone on before. We had to drive through a forest fire because that was the only way. And the, the, there was wildfires and we had to go through them. Um, we were sleeping on the side of the river where there were crocodiles below us. We were about eight feet above on a ledge, you know, right down to the river. So you didn't want to go out of your tent to pee at night and slide down with the crocodiles. We crossed uh, a river with hippos in it and it was two dudes with a cable on a raft. The raft was made out of wood and it took one vehicle at a time and they rode across on this wire. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. Like it wasn't 999 days, but I definitely got a taste of it. Any crazy adventures, Dan, where you thought you might not make it? Um, I rolled the Jeep on its side in Uganda. And and at the time I thought I was going to try and get my passport out of the Jeep and walk away. I actually thought it was finished. So what happened? Because I've I've been in situations where we flop jeeps, and they're actually very forgiving. Yeah, you know, I, I've never been in a vehicle rollover before, um, so it was like really intense and scary. Um, and I was all by myself in the middle of nowhere, and so I just I assumed, you know, that the, the top was destroyed, maybe the engine was, you know, had sort of uh, ingested oil, and so. Yeah, I was. I panicked and I was afraid, and it was really scary. But in the end, a bunch of locals showed up, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we'll push it." <laughs> you know, that's not going to work. It weighs six thousand pounds. But in the end, I, I winched it to a tree, kind of on a bad angle, and they pushed, and it came back up on its wheels just like that. How did you turn it over? What caused the rollover? Well, it's pretty embarrassing, actually. Um, the e-brake doesn't work very well. It's packed full of Congo mud and doing my rounds of maintenance, I just never got around. By the way, that's just a JK thing because uh, JK e-brakes suck anyway before you go to the Congo, just just to, so you don't feel bad about it. Well, anyway, and so I, I knew <laughs> that it doesn't hold it very well on a steep hill, um, and I'd actually seen it. It can overcome the engine compression when you park on a steep enough hill and leave it in first gear, um, and that's exactly what happened. I left it in first gear. The e-brake was on as hard as I could pull it. I walked away to take a photo, and it actually took off all on its own without me. In Whoa! It. Yeah, it went. It went. Oh, maybe like twenty or thirty yards. It smacked into a rock wall, and that kicked it over onto its side. Well, that's pretty far, <laughs> and that would be tough to watch. Oh, dude, could you imagine just oh. watching your house roll downhill, and you're just going, "Oh, was, I'm in Africa." It was terrifying because I like I live in the jeep. I cook in there. I sleep in there. It, it, my whole world, you know, my passport, all my money, everything is in there. And to just watch it crash down like that, yeah, it was it was really terrifying. Did you have any episodes with with locals? You know, I mean, you are out there all alone, and you know, you may you don't really you kind of stand out. Yep, yep. And I know what you're thinking, and I'll say thousands and thousands of times, people came up to me, held out their hand, and said, "You are welcome, my friend. Yes, welcome." And they would invite oh, cool. me to their homes. Yep. They would invite me to camp. They would try to give me food like more times than I can count. And it gives me goosebumps every time I think about how amazingly welcoming the people were. I will, and that's like universal and the whole continent. I will agree with that. The, uh, the, the few times I've been to Africa, it's incredible. They will find you. They invite you into their home. They want to have tea with you if you're in Morocco and you know North Africa. When we were in the sub-Saharan and we were doing everything in the backcountry, going through these villages – we would bring pencils or smarty candies or little things like that for the little village kids. And we would take back then, uh, digital SLRs were just coming on. 
And so I would take pictures and then show them a picture of themselves. And they would, all these kids were freaking out. They were just so excited to see that I had taken this picture of them. And I'm assuming they'd never seen that before. But everywhere we went, um, that, that was back in 2006. And I've had a lot of people ask me, well, were you scared? Honestly, Africa was one of my favorite places I've ever visited, and I would I would do it again tomorrow. Just the people are amazing. The only thing I didn't like about it is everything in Africa is hard. the The rocks are hard, the trees are hard, and the tsetse flies are hard. And when you go to smack one, they just shake it off and then bite you anyway. <laughs> yep, yeah. The sun is harsh. The dust is intense. It's it's yeah. It's not for the faint of heart, but it is amazing. Did you create any lasting relationships? People in interesting parts of the continent that you now still keep in touch with? I did, yeah. Um, especially in the English-speaking countries. Um, my French isn't very good, so I, w- I struggled to really bond with people in West Africa. But yeah, down in Zimbabwe, I met some really interesting people. Um, and so, yeah, still in regular contact. I'm hoping they'll come and visit me in Canada, actually. So I have a, I have a question about as it relates to the building of the Jeep and some of the products. Coming from an engineering background, I'm sure that you probably put a lot of these products through their paces in a way that the manufacturer probably never thought about. I mean, I would say most of the stuff is probably for the the casual camper or overlander who might be gone for a week and then it's their daily driver or something like that. Was there anything that you felt the design was lacking and you went, man, if they just did this or they just did that, I would imagine from an engineering standpoint, you're probably pretty critical of those types of things. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I started out with flexible solar panels, you know, those ones that kind of can can um, move a little bit. Yeah. And they actually failed after uh, maybe only 10,000 miles. They just couldn't handle all of the vibration and I guess the flexing of the fiberglass roof. Um, so I had to throw those away and I replaced them with, you know, solid solar panels and they've been perfect. So maybe that was partially my fault for, you know, not getting durable enough panels. Um, but other than that, I would say all of the gear that I had with me was seriously impressive. You know, like the fridge that I have, it's been running 24 hours a day, seven days a week for four years now. Oh, wow. Has, what brand? Has, has never, ever been, it's, it's a Dometic. Um, okay. Yeah. Dometic makes fridge. awesome stuff. Yeah. And it, like, it just has been on the temperature that I set all those years ago. It's, it's never wavered for any reason. So yeah, a lot of the gear I took. It just was brilliant for the job at hand, and it, it you know took a beating and just kept kept working perfectly. So let's talk about your book. You've got uh, the Road Shows Me Volume One with Volume Two coming out shortly. Where can people find those, and then what adventures do you cover in them? Yeah, so those are on Amazon. Uh, you can get a print copy or a digital copy for your e-reader. And so Volume One is the whole story of Alaska to Argentina, and it really starts from the beginning where like. I'm just an ordinary guy. You know, I, I don't have any sponsors. I didn't have like $100,000 or anything crazy like that. But I'm just an ordinary guy and I want to have this adventure. So is that even possible? Like what happens if I'm going to try? So I really, the whole book is designed to show people it, it really is possible if you want to get out there and do that kind of thing yourself. Um, so that's volume one. And then volume two is the Africa book. Um, and it should be out here in a month or two, hopefully. And it contains not just the adventures I had, but also the lessons I learned and and the people I met along the way who really taught me, you know, a different way to look at the world and a different perspective and and different priorities that they have in Africa. You know, it's family and community and happiness really is the priority. And people don't really care very much about money. They don't have any, but they're really happy anyway. So it's really fascinating. 
Would you say that's the the number one insight that you brought back with you, or there is there anything that that from maybe your preconceived notions of what the world was like and people elsewhere in the world, what was the the thing that you brought back, and what what did you think had the most impact on changing your life and your worldview? Yeah, definitely that people around the world are much much happier than maybe our media tells us they are, you know, and. And a lot of these people, they don't have a lot of money and, you know, they live on a dirt floor and they don't have electricity, but they are unbelievably happy. They make every excuse to have a party or a festival, like three nights a week. They're singing and dancing and laughing and they are full of joy and full of laughter. You know, even in the middle of the Congo, people are just joyous. Um, and I think I didn't really know that and I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. Do you feel that you have changed as a result of these travels? Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, I'm a completely different person. In what way? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I realize that, you know, the value of treating people well um, and that, you know, the way that you treat people is the way that they're going to treat you. Um, and I think just having the perspective now that I've lived outside of these first world countries I sort of view them from the outside perspective and I realize that the way we're doing things isn't necessarily the best way. You know, this whole idea of like, go to work for your whole life, have health insurance, you know, pay your mortgage, have car insurance, like that works. And you can do that if you want, but there's a perfectly valid other way to do it as well. But that, that millions of people, like billions of people around the world are doing, and they're really happy also. And they leave, live really great lives as well, just different than us. So uh, as a guy myself who enjoys being on road trips, uh, the backcountry, uh, driving, all those things, I, th- I think I can, I can understand kind of your mindset and, and what it's like to, to be isolated. But you love this. You love the city. You love but, people. But hold on. Hold on. I don't love taking people with me like when you and I went to Arizona. So I was going to uh, ask Dan, Passenger or no passenger? On your next adventure, are you taking someone with you, or or is it all you by yourself? Hold on a second. You act as if I was some kind of a hole. I, w- I thought it was perfectly respect respectable. Sometimes that you don't want the uh, the the volume at nine for four hours. Yeah, well, maybe maybe not. Or listen to your crappy music or whatever. So Dan, like, well, you know, are you are you out on passengers or or would you welcome somebody to enjoy the adventure with you next time? Ideally, there would be someone to enjoy the adventure. I think it would be a lot more enjoyable just to have someone else, you know, to bounce off of and, you know, to remember all the good times. Um, But it's pretty hard to find someone that wants to live this kind of life. So I'm still on the lookout. So what is the next adventure? You have to be uh, saving up for something, right? I definitely am. There's no doubt. Um, Coronavirus is making life really tough. Borders all over the world are closed. Actually, a lot of overlanders are stuck right now in countries. Um, so I was planning like a big multi-country epic, but maybe now I have to reevaluate and tone it down and maybe just pick a country that I've never been to and go there for like three or five months or something. So I'm, I'm a little bit careful. I don't want to commit to something because I might not be able to do it. So there is something coming, hopefully within six to 12 months, but I, I'm not going to actually say what it is just yet until I'm sure that it actually can happen. And are you sticking with the same Jeep in your next adventure? That is undecided. Depending on where I go in the world, it might be really cost prohibitive to ship it over there and to deal with all the customs paperwork. So maybe for the next adventure, it makes more sense to like fly to, you know, hypothetically Mongolia 
buy their local whatever and then roam around in that for as long as I want to. It's a Maybe yak. That actually makes me a yak. <laughs> yeah, well, like I, I was thinking like a larder, like there you whatever four wheel drive larder the Russians made. Yeah. Because I figured like, you know, all the locals along the way, they'll know how to fix it when it breaks because it will break and just go and like have adventures local style and see how that goes. I got to figure that you could make one hell of a proposal to Jeep or Nissan or some brand that says, I want to, I'm going to go write a book about this. Can I borrow a vehicle? And they would give you one. I mean, your bio is in the form of two books that people can buy. I mean, of, of your previous epic adventures. That, that'll be on newsstands and available forever, like in perpetuity. And and those, those mentions of Jeep and or Nissan and or whoever the brands are, it just, if I were a marketing guy at one of those companies, I'm like, yeah, borrow one for a year. Just bring it back with, you know, in one piece. That would be nice. That would be ideal. Um, I am like I am talking to a couple of different companies, and we I like to say we're flirting, but I think they really <laughs> struggle struggle to package me. They don't they don't know how you know crazy guy drives around Africa. Okay, that's great. How does that help us sell vehicles sure. to you know regular people? Well, so and I a think, lot of your stuff think, is you know, is later too, right? Like the book comes later, and they're trying to sell a vehicle today, right? Yeah, that's right. So maybe I'm like a little bit too crazy. Maybe maybe it would work better if I just like took a vehicle up to Alaska for a summer or something. Um, so yeah, I'm working on that. We'll see what comes. If if you know anyone there that you can handball this off to, that'd be great. We do. Uh, I I know lots of people. If you uh, if you want to talk offline and you need some contacts at uh, certain companies, hit me up and I'll uh, I'll give you the names. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. I mean, honestly, I can see a television commercial where they go, this guy lived in our X vehicle for a year. Yeah. If this guy can do it for a year, you can be on, you know, on the 10 freeway, you know, for, for two <laughs> hours in it. Like, it's it just, to me, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, you, get, you have to I find like the right person. Yeah, I mean, drove, drove the JK 54,000 miles in the worst conditions on the planet, and it never broke down once and took me everywhere I wanted to go. I think that's a pretty good marketing campaign right there. I think so. I, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> uh, if people want to follow you, the road at the road shows me on uh, on Instagram, and uh, also you have the road shows me YouTube page, and you you actually have a lot of really interesting stuff. We already talked about the uh, why international overlanders don't use huge tires video, which we talked about online. I thought was was pretty cool. Uh, and you kind of uh, dish out some advice of what do you need to get into overlanding and. What is it like to drive the world, uh, International Overland Travel 101, and, and little things like the best camp stove. Those are some of the videos that are up right now. If, if you are interested at all in any of this stuff, head over to Dan's YouTube page again. The road shows me it, just a ton of really interesting, even if you're marginally on the fringe, interested in adventure, and maybe you're a guy who's just camping, but you you have this, you know, Dan's doing these aspirational things. Go watch his videos because you'll be so inspired by the things he talks about, the advice that's coming from real world experience, not just you know an unboxing video. Like yeah. like he used it for a year in the world's worst conditions or longer, and can tell you exactly why you need it. I'm digging Egypt by Jeep, and I have a question for you, Dan, uh, in that in that video. So when you roll up to the the pyramids, a are they as impressive as they appear in movies and or you know from Google Earth, and then. Having seen them close up, were they made by aliens? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. They are a hundred times more impressive than I ever imagined possible. They are absolutely enormous, like so big your brain can't even comprehend. The individual concrete blocks are so big I could hardly climb up one. You know, they must be six, seven feet high, just one block. Um, so 
if humans made them, I have to think it took like thousands of years. I, I can't imagine how they did it. It's mind blowing. So aliens, that's what I yeah, heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard aliens too. Well, I mean, I don't know, but there's something that I don't understand is going on. You're like the whole time you're standing there, you're like, oh, these things are really cool, but like this is fake, right? You know, this is, they, they built this 10 years ago. This is like CGI, right? There's a green screen. It just, it, your brain can't figure out what's going on. It doesn't look real. Well, fantastic. All right. Well, the road chose me. Right on yep. basically Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, everywhere. And look up Dan Grek, G R E C, is how you spell his last name. Uh, just Google him. There's a ton of great stuff out there. The nicest guy you can meet, and just a ton of insight on, on the world at large. And uh, Dan, it's always a pleasure to be able to talk to you, and I'm glad you could carve out a little bit of time for us on the show. And the Kickstarter is still going. Is that correct, Holman? I, I don't know. Ask Dan. I think it's over, right? Yeah, no, the, the Kickstarter is finished now. Oh, okay. So you can buy that. You will be able to buy that book, or you can buy Volume 2 on Amazon now or in the future? Uh, very soon, probably a month or two. Okay, okay perfect. Great. We'll be on the lookout for it. All right, and before yeah. you go on your next trip, you got to come back on because we want we got to send you off and figure out where uh, what adventure, the, the pre, the pre-adventure. The pre-adventure? Yeah. I wanna... Well, being on our show is a pre-adventure. <laughs> yeah, we apologize for that <laughs> deeply. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. This has been a lot of fun. You got it. All right, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Hey, and don't. I'm serious. Hit me up if you need help at the uh, at the OEs. I know a lot of people, and more than happy to pass on some contacts to you. Thanks. I really, really appreciate that. Have a great one, guys. Thanks. All right, you too. All right, talk soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, it occurs to me that uh, there's something that Dan Greg did not have during his 999 day trip through Africa. Uh, Kitchen sink. He did not have a 2020 Jeep JL, and he did not oh, have mm-hmm. a brand new gargantuan 80-burner uh-huh. stainless steel grill. Oh, uh, you mean the uh, Weber Genesis <laughs> S435 that my uh, wife um, gifted me for Father's Day. Uh-huh. Yeah. A right. top-of-the-line Weber Genesis 2 4-burner plus sear station Plus outside uh, shelf burner mm-hmm. in stainless steel. Something like that costs how much? Uh, you'll have to ask my wife. I'm I, sure I'm you can Google get it. You, I'm getting that. That's got to be over a grand, right? Uh, you can Google uh. it. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that hey, even you have eaten off my grill, and you are going to and be. That's a, not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> and even you are going to be a benefactor of the new Holman Six Burner Monster. Oh, it's so it's pretty. It's got to be a euphemism, right? <laughs> it's Six not, though. Monster, no? It's not. That's weird, because uh, they were going to play Coachella I, before they canceled Coachella. No, they, uh, they replaced uh, Old Three Burner. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, Is that what they, happened? They're opening up a club in uh, Austin, Texas. But they uh, were real rusty, if you know what I mean. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that happened, and uh, I'm going to be... Uh, I don't know what the first thing I want to cook on it is. You're not going to do your uh, Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce? Oh, I might. Yeah. I think that'd some, be a great uh, way. What do you put that on? Chicken or steak or everything. what do you do? Oh, everything? Uh, I, I put it on uh, brisket. You know what Tri-tip? I used up this last weekend? What? Uh, the Rudy's barbecue sauce that I bought when you took me down oh, into uh, Phoenix. Yeah, You must have used a lot of that. I bought the giant. I know you did. Oh, it's gone. It wasn't that long ago. Killed it. Good for you. Oh, yeah. We just we just It's pepper goodness. It. It's really good. Yeah, they've got some good sauce. Although, My oldest uh, son is totally into barbecue sauce. Is he? Yeah. So if I brought some Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce, he would- uh, All over it. All, right. all over I'll it, I'll have yeah. to make a bottle for you guys. Tell me about the Jeep, though, because you spent how many days? You went to run our audience through your adventure in your brand new Jeep jail, because 
it sounded like a cool, you went to Moab, and you did yeah. a bunch of other stuff, and you now have uh, bowling balls for uh, stick shifts. Like, what? <laughs> what? What's going on in your in your Jeep? Oh, I mean, I don't even know where to start. So, uh, Well, how about when you picked it up and where you got it? All right, so I flew out to Detroit, mm-hmm. and uh, I stayed- uh, Stop there. Okay. How many people on the flight? Uh, actually, it was pretty full. Uh, really? Did direct from LAX, and all the center seats were not booked, and I would say the rest of the plane was probably 75% full. Were you sitting next to someone? Uh, yes. Really? But but he was in the aisle, I was in the window, nobody between us. Oh, okay. Yeah, so none of the center seats were booked. Oh, that center seat. Yeah. I was thinking like the big jumbo where they had the big no, no, aisle. No, 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 it was a 737. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, flew out there, not a big deal. Delta, I have to give uh, props out. This is not a, uh, a plug, but I love Delta, Fly Delta. Uh, they were awesome. But you walk on the plane, they fogged the plane with disinfectant, and then they handed you, and they wiped everything down, and then they handed you Purell wipes. Uh, for your hands, uh, multiple times during the flight. And then you know how the drink cart comes along? And normally they have like, oh, do you want a Snickers or do you want a bag of Cheez-Its? Well, this time everybody just got the same plastic Ziploc bag. In the Ziploc bag was a bag of Cheez-Its, a little tiny bottle of water, a napkin, a um, Purell, more hand sanitizer, and a granola bar, a kind how granola bar. How much hand sanitizer do you really need? But I, but I mean, I think they're just being extra safe. And so everybody, and there's a nice little card that says something like, welcome back, we missed you too, or something like that, which, okay. was, which was nice. So okay. anyway, uh, flight there was great. Stayed at a, a Jeep engineer friend of mine's house. He was uh, great. Brian, thank you for uh, putting up with me and putting me up. And uh, went to, so everybody kind of knows, I ordered this thing. I bought it back in, ordered in January, bought it in February out here in California. And they fast-tracked you. They fast-tracked me. Jeep got drop-shipped the AV. AV was going to build it. And then COVID happened. So I've made four payments, still haven't seen it yet. So I'm supposed to pick it up on Thursday, and it had to go to the dealer because there was a war- uh, uh, just a warranty issue that they had to fix, no big deal. And then I was going to pick it up uh, Thursday. Well, come to find out, I was going to pick it up Friday morning mm-hmm. because on Thursday, a massive windstorm came through, knocked down power to the entire city of Wixom, which is where AEV is, and they had no power at their facility. Oh, no. I'm like, seriously? What, is a meteor going to hit me on the way home now? <laughs> like, just so I had to wait an extra day. Anyway, I picked it up, spent some time at AEV. Just amazing facility, 110,000 square feet of I can eat off the floor. Uh, they had a skeleton crew working. Everybody had to have social distance while they worked on all the vehicles, but they're they're slowly getting back, and they had my, uh, my Jeep ready to go, so... Uh, I left, and uh, I went over the course of, let's see, left on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, home Tuesday. And in that time, I did a best of 17 miles per gallon. I was kind of bummed that you didn't say, I'm going to be here at this time to try to meet up with some listeners. We'll get to that. Oh. I'll get to that. Uh, And my uh, average miles per gallon, and I faced a headwind at least a third of the way, maybe even half of the way, like Mm -hmm. really wicked 20 to 40 mile an hour headwinds. And how was it blowing the Jeep around? It was blowing the Jeep around. Okay. Uh, but my average for the but trip- did, No, I mean, how did it feel? It felt like crap. Oh. Yeah, okay. it's, it's still a square boxy thing that <laughs> that's lifted. And Okay, so even in 2020, they still have uh, the aerodynamics. It's a brick. Well, no, I mean, the aerodynamics is still better than, you know, a, a JK. Uh, 2,774 miles. Oh, wow. That's quite a- That's in, more than I in expected. In five days. Huh. And so I uh, went through nine states- so uh, shout out to- uh, You did not make a straight line. Uh, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska- Nebraska in the house! Uh, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, California. 
So on Sunday, I stopped in Moab because that was going to be my deal. Like uh-huh. I have to, I was supposed to pick up my Jeep for Easter Jeep Safari, drive it out, enjoy Easter Jeep Safari, unveil it, do all the photo shoots and stuff, and then drive home. Well, as you know, COVID hit, no Easter Jeep Safari, right? So it's like, Ugh! anyway, I made a day, and uh, Mike Boyle at Mike Boyle Photography, who's a listener of ours. Uh, hit me up on the Insta and said, hey, man, I'm going to be in Moab that day. If you want somebody to follow you around and shoot some photos of it, let me know. So Mike and I met up. Interesting. So that's why the photos are better than usual on your Instagram. Uh, that's right. And uh, he had a, a full-size Bronco with only a leveling kit, stock wheels and tires, did Hell's Revenge, drugged the crap out of his bumpers, open diff, you know, the whole thing. Uh-huh. was awesome to go wheeling with him. And uh, I thanked him by uh, buying him barbecue dinner at the Blue Pig there in, uh, in Moab. Okay. And uh, so we did do a little listener meetup. So that was, uh, that was cool. And uh, if you're a single listener meetup, <laughs> hey, people knew where I was going. I had it on my Instagram. So if you're following me, you could easily. But you didn't say, I'm going to be here at this time. Well, I didn't know when I was going to be right, where, you right, know. Right. Uh, and I went to uh, verify your claims and found out once again, I am right. And I sent you pictures. About what? I 80, the world's biggest truck stop. Oh, yeah. So jealous when I saw those photos. So I sent you. That like, was a Peterbilt, or was it a Kenworth in the middle? I think it was a Pete, long nosed Pete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with all the uh, all the doodads in it. <laughs> I've never seen so much chrome on a on a truck before. Yeah, it was, uh, there's a wall of like LED lights, and one of them is the American flag, and it flashes, and it just, like, you just have epilepsy while you stare at it because it's like, ah, but it's. How many square foot do you think that I 80 is? Oh, it's it's huge. I have no idea. 100,000. Is or it bigger like that. than Rhode Island? No, not quite. All sorts of interesting things. You could buy uh, cheese curds there. Um, what was that bag that you texted me? The bag there, you you sent me a bag of food or something, and you said, and I couldn't figure out what it was. I think that was the cheese curds. Was that the cheese curds? Yeah, I had jalapeno sausages and uh, cheese curds. Sounds gross. It, it, but it was, I was, you know, when when in Rome. Yeah. And hung out with my uh, trucker friends. You were in Rome too. I I, I get around. Yeah. I get around. So uh, anyway, got my uh, got my JL home, and uh, I uh, it's the most miles on a new car ever. Dude, that thing nothing. My new truck way over hundred thousand miles. Well, it's also a lot older. Sure, yeah, and, and it's got a little gear. bit a little bit of rust. Yeah, I did. Uh, Do you know that there was a chunk about uh, bigger than my hand? Okay, with my fingers outstretched. Yeah, just fell off the other day the, over a bump or just randomly. No, it was sitting in a parking lot. We were taking and photographs it just gave of up it, right there, and it literally just went. While you were shooting oh, it? Yep. Nice. Just fell right off. That's pretty sweet. I'm concerned that your that seat the, is next. Well, no. The ins yeah, maybe. It's possible. I'm concerned that it's got more rust than I anticipated. Hmm. Now you had rust issues with your F one hundred. So some surprising uh, rust issues that you didn't expect. I had to replace the cab. There was it's literally possible that this left. may happen to me as well. Hmm. I don't want it to because the whole theme of the build, which we have not spoken about, which well, we will we a little bit in a future you episode. Up your uh, your Instagram handle. I got I got some big plans for it, but my my Instagram is has not uh, blossomed yet. Huh. It's a Russ R U S dot uh, As of today, the at ADV Jeep. Mm-hmm. Has more uh, followers than the Rusty Max. Oh snap! How many? Uh, just broke two hundred today. Oh, good for you. By the way, if you want to check out some of the videos, I got videos of me uh, putting my first scratch on it, uh, crawling up tip over challenge in Moab, and then a cool one just going up a big fin. Uh, check it, check it out, and you can watch a couple of those videos. What's, that, what's the Instagram again? At A D V J E E P. Okay, Venture Jeep. I'm gonna kick your ass for sure. Oh yeah, when people find out what I'm doing to it. Yeah, no, if if that ever happens. But once again, uh, you've got some commitments that you have followed through with uh, mm-hmm. a different truck first. 
Oh, the, uh, yeah, yours, the F-100? <laughs> uh-huh. So here's the thing about the rust. I'm worried. I'm honestly worried. Now, the good part be. is that I know if it gets really bad, I can buy new fenders, mm-hmm. little those little quarter panels. Sure. Uh, Those aren't structural, though. No, they're not. None, none of the structural. You only stuff. care about whether your your uh, feet and your butt fall through the floor. That's it. Yeah. Well, I've got a uh, My buddy Joe is gonna. He's got new floor pans for me. Okay. I guess he finished his build and somehow ended up with C10 floor pans. All spare. right. Well, so I'm like, yeah, I'll take them. So I've got those. I'm gonna weld those in. Uh, it's got some stuff about around the uh, the drip rail along yeah. the top, which you can see daylight if you look. You're in the cab and you look up, you can uh-huh. see daylight, which may or may not be good. Uh huh. Probably less good. Than, than more good. The door sills, uh, you can see through. They're transparent. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I didn't... I am concerned about the structural integrity of the cab itself. Just don't... Hold up. Just don't run into anything. You'll be fine. Probably. What if I hit the brakes really hard... And the truck kept going and your axle stayed there? Uh, no, just the cab flew off. I will tell you that won't happen. Why? Because your brakes are not good enough. Uh, they aren't now, but they will be. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, good, again, good so some know. surprises coming. Uh huh. All right. So uh, at rus period yeah, dmax. It's a dot rus uh-huh. dot dmax uh-huh. for rusty max or at adventure jeep advjeep. I feel like we're just pimping our builds right yeah, now. Hell yeah. But uh, so when you go there, you're just going to see what the truck looks like right now, and I believe you're going to start seeing some teasers over the next couple weeks. If you follow, if you're one of the uh, 192 people following. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Alright. Yeah, I appreciate you if you're one of the 192. Well, uh, I hope that uh, your family hears this podcast mm-hmm. and uh, remembers you and buys you some truck parts. Until then, I will be enjoying my giant Weber stainless steel uh, six burner barbecue and my uh, new JL. What would make my day is if you made me a hamburger and then... Uh, gave you a ride? And gave me a ride. What are you doing uh, Saturday? Going with you somewhere. Okay, well, let's do it. All right, enough about us. Let's read some email. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. All right, well, I am in a disadvantage, Holman, as I have no email in front of me. You have a pile. Hold on, I'm dancing. You're, uh, after sitting that 2,700 miles, dude. your butt's a little flatter. Dude, it's Do funny. You like, that? That's a lot of sitting. <laughs> that's a lot dude, of sitting. Dude, there was times where I was like bleary-eyed, and I had to go to like the rest stop and run from like one end to the other to stay awake, mm-hmm. and then hop in the car and bonsai, drink all sorts of caffeine. It was, woo! At any point, did you have to go to the bathroom, and you thought you were going to uh, <laughs> spackle the inside of your brand new nope, JL? never look, let it get that far. <laughs> never, not once? Nope. I had the tinge, and then I went, uh, time to go. <laughs> like, there was, uh, I took precautions. And uh, uh, my mornings weren't uh, complete on the road until I did my business. Did you uh, do it at rest stops? Uh, I had to once. Yes. Okay. okay. Don't do not do that. Not, not recommended. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> All right. There well, are some nice rest stops throughout there the are. Southwest. I can't remember if it was Iowa or Nebraska. One of them was like some of the nicest rest stops I ever th- that I've ever seen. Like brand new tile and nice fixtures and clean and inside. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself- if you gotta go, hold it to Iowa. Yeah, that's cool. There wasn't like someone didn't take a scriber pen and write not chalk, yet. Chaka, <laughs> no. Chaka five six two nope. somewhere. No, nope. okay. not yet. Nope, it was pretty clean. They All didn't right. have any of that there. All right, so you gonna nice. read one of those or would? You, oh no, 
You did not print that out with like one point type again. What's the matter? No, with this the is printer? from the same time I printed it last time. We oh. didn't do emails last oh, time. Oh, that's true. Okay. So you're you're in uh, inbox purgatory until we get these read. <laughs> Your show ages like cheese. Subject line, and he says, <laughs> "I don't know if that's good or bad because I've had stinky aged cheese. I've had pretty good aged cheese. Yeah, I'm not an aged cheese fan." So you're going to take that as a negative. Yeah, it's a negative. Although he could redeem himself here. Uh, he starts off saying, yo, Zippo lighter and whole saw. I like whole saw. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, okay. Life continues to flow in waves, good and bad. Yet you two get better and better with age. Oh, it, well, it was okay. a compliment. It was a compliment, yeah. Each show brings so much truck brain food. Just awesome. Hey, I got to say, the interview with Nicola has me leaning toward the micro idea of a thought of, well, maybe, kind of, starting to like the notion of buying an electric truck. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So he's just kind of peeking over the edge there. That's sort of where I am. I'm, I'm on the fence with him, just kind of looking over in the neighbor's yard. I can hear the booze now. No! Electric trucks are the warm, floppy lettuce of the industry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, uh, and so on. But I actually may have maybe signed up on the Nikola page for more info. Interesting. Maybe a future R&D building solutions promotion badger, maybe. All right, keep up the incredible work. You two are the in and out burger of the podcast world. A double-double topped with mounting parameters. Mounter, monitor, key, engine, a slice of yeah, buddy. Hashtag yeah, buddy. And a little bit of we are deeply sorry. We are deeply sorry. And extra laughs. The offer still stands if you two ever host a podcast at the shop here in Hollister. I'd be willing to let you two take the 72 F-250 High Boy out for a spin. Yes. Frame up restoration. Oh. Yeah, buddy, 2.0. I'm in on that. Yeah, buddy. Have a fantastic week as always. Five stars. Five stars. I feel like he hit every single sound effect I own. Nope, sure didn't. Wasn't even close, unfortunately. How dare you? <laughs> Got one here says Galisode, episode 19. Lightning and Holman, I've been working my way through all of the Truck Show podcast episodes and just finished listening to the Galisode. I want to take a minute and tell you I thought the Galisode was awesome. Gale is so well spoken and knowledgeable. You can tell his passion for power is honest and palpable. I currently drive a 2010 Silverado with Chevy's small 4.8 liter in it. Though it gets great fuel mileage, it's the smallest V8 I've ever had, and I wanted to squeak a little power out of it. I live in Colorado at over 8,000 feet above sea level. So, oh, my God. There's no there's no power up there. Uh, you might want to hold your uh, comment for one sentence. So I bought a Banks Programmer tuner. It'll help a little. Though I don't notice too much of a difference. I do maintain good mileage, about 22 miles per gallon highway at altitude. Listening to Gail talk about how he won't just take your money and leave you with a broken truck was reassuring. To many, Banks Power may be synonymous with diesel, but I now feel better about my Banks Power product and my truck after listening to the podcast. Big thanks to Gail for being an honest, hardworking, innovator motorator. I look forward to you using Banks products in the future trucks, whether I stick with Chevy and a D-Max or Cummins. No G. Keep up the great work and keep up the awesome content and... Five stars. Now, normally we don't do the high five. We save that for a review segment. We haven't done it in a while. Okay. So anyway, uh, that was from our friend Alex Fritton. So thanks, Alex. He says, a uh, size large T-shirt if you got him. Clearly, he's not caught up uh, to this part of the, uh, <laughs> the catalog <laughs> yet. doesn't know that we have that. So here's the thing about altitude. It's real rough to overcome altitude. You, once you cross 7,000 foot. On normally aspirated uh, vehicles. Well, thanks for supporting uh, the spot where I work. That's uh, very generous of him. Oh, yeah. Where, where was that? Uh, thanks. Huh? 
I, I just don't, you know, we've had this conversation one too many times. Just feel a little uh, smart me. I'm glad you read that email. It wasn't me. Uh-huh. Right. But I There's appreciate the that. patronage. Police car, subject line from Justin Moya. Hey, Holman and Lightning. Nope, it's Lightning and Holman. It says so on the T-shirt I'm wearing right now. Uh, I just finished hey. listening to the episode where you hey. talked. To, what? 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 Just because it says on the T-shirts you printed doesn't mean that's how it has to be. It says it behind you on the on the poster. Well, that's printed too. You probably did those also. It says it on the business cards that we tried to have made, and they said no. <laughs> <laughs> that's because the uh, verbiage was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he says I just finished listening to the episode where you guys talked about the new Tahoe PPV. Uh, I have been, what does PPV stand for? The Police Pursuit, Pursuit vehicle. vehicle. Okay, gotcha. I have been a police officer for almost 20 years and a canine handler for over 15 of those. Wow. Wow, wow. Okay. Can, canines, by the way? Awesome. Yeah. For I, sure. I used to get to go in the uh, bite suit and fight off canines. That, dude, rad. Is scary. Okay, so. Rad. Wait. And by the way, bite suit doesn't keep you from uh, getting injured, let me tell you. Do you recall, you because you were a listener to K-Rock, the radio station uh-huh. here in LA many years ago. And I was there, and at this point, I think I was still an in, an unpaid intern. Okay. And there was uh, the running of the Bulls, right, and yeah. in Pamplona, Spain. Everyone knows about that. And Kevin and Bean, the hosts, say, well, we don't have enough money to go over there and run from Bulls, but why don't we just run from Pit Bulls? Cause oh, that I remember be funny. that, yeah. And so they said, how do we get Pit Bulls to run after one of us? Didn't you now, str- notice I say one of us. Right, because didn't you all strap on a certain uh, product? So here's me way before Lady Gaga. Here's me in a meat suit. So I'm wearing shorts, uh, a pair of shoes, no shirt, and steaks that had been uh, basically like um, – uh, like you string together Christmas lights. Yeah, I had stakes around my neck and my body, <laughs> and I was going. Which to I the, still to this day think it's funny that they were around your neck. And we had organized it. We were going to go to the Hollywood Equestrian Center in Burbank, California, uh-huh. and they were going to release a, uh, I think, a dozen or so pit bulls. I thought you were going to say the hounds. <clears throat> no, they were going to release <laughs> the pit bulls, and they were going to run after me. And the morning that we were headed over there, and we were we were all geared up and ready to go, someone ratted us out to PETA, oh. that we were about to worry dogs. <laughs> and that's what it's called, worrying animals. You're not allowed to worry an animal. Huh. Pretty sure uh, pit bulls don't get uh, too worried, but- That's my canine story. Uh, <laughs> by so, the way, it has nothing to do with police canines, but it does have uh, something to do with being run down by a dog. Justin says, I started out in a 1996 Crown Vic and stayed in, in Crown Vics until 2011 when I got my first Tahoe. I'm currently in a 2019 and absolutely love it for canine use, but I don't think anything will ever beat a Crown Vic. I cracked up when Holman uh, brought up the new front-wheel drive Impalas. There were a lot of guys I worked with who tried to kill those things <laughs> so, so we could hold get on, our rear-wheel drive cars back. Slow clap. What's funny about that is that was a universal story across the country. Right. So I'm excited for the new upgrades on the Tahoe, but I still think Ford royally messed up discontinuing the Crown Vic. That thing was a tank. As for the new era patrol vehicles, I think the Tahoe is best suited for officers because of the amount of room they have for equipment that is uh, carried as well as for the officer himself or herself. But the explorers seem to be doing pretty well also. Thanks for keeping me entertained during some of these long shifts. I've attached a picture of both my canine partners. The first was a single-purpose narcotics detection dog that I worked until he retired. And the second is my current partner, who is a dual-purpose patrol narcotics detection dog. Keep up the good work, and yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. 
Man, that's awesome. I uh, If I would have stuck with law enforcement, I would have wanted to uh, be a canine officer. But you would have demanded a, uh, what are those furry Norwegian dogs that you like? A Newfie. Oh, a Newfie. Yeah. And they're not from Norway at all. Uh, or Newfoundland, apparently, <laughs> no. for that matter. <laughs> anyway, that's a reference if uh, you uh-huh. go back to a previous episode. All right, we got one from uh, our buddy Lars. He's writing in and says, uh, hey, Holman and Lightning, I'd like to see a pic of the Nicola Big Rig. Uh, Picks on the website don't do it justice for me. Honestly, it's too futuristic for me. It's cool and all, but I can't see those trucks catching on around here. A couple of things I'm curious about in no particular order. I think he's uh, wrong, by the way. Uh, It is futuristic, and I think it can catch uh, on. Yeah, I I thought it was very cool in person. When I'm loaded, my truck weighs 140,000 pounds. I'm guessing that weight will significantly lower range. How much does weight affect range? I okay, well, uh, it's it's a hydrogen fuel cell, so it's not batteries, so you'll get greater range because you have a fuel on board. Um, but I'm sure, as with anything, load is going to affect that. I don't know what the percentage is, but certainly won't be as bad as an all electric vehicle. I drive a fair bit of gravel. What happens when dust gets inside that motor? Well, it's a fuel cell, not a motor, and the actual motors that are fed by the fuel cell are completely sealed and dustproof and waterproof and all that stuff. So. Probably not a uh, issue. I think the military's had pretty good success with figuring out how to uh, keep those things uh, alive in pretty bad environments. So I would imagine the consumer application. I'm sure Nicholas thought of all that. What does that rear suspension look like? How does it work with big weights? Any IRS vehicle out there today squats out if you put a tiny little boat behind it. I guess those SUVs don't have air suspension, so that makes a difference. Also seems like it would be prone to instability. Wasn't IRS in the sense of something that you would see on the back of your Honda Pilot or something like that? Uh, it was big, massive, beefy, and awesome looking. And it rode nice. I mean, at least in the bumpy parking lot that we went over. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, without being a truck driver and having a long road test, it's hard to answer that question. But uh, I can't believe that they would allow it to be in, you know, have stability issues with a big trailer attached. It's all I guess I can say is from our standpoint, it felt really sorted out when we were there. Uh, he says, I live in oil country. As you know, there's a lot of trucks in the oil field, pressure trucks, vac trucks, flush buys, oil haulers. All these trucks have some kind of apparatus that runs off hydraulic power. So the truck has a PTO. So many other trucks also have PTOs. Feed trucks, fuel trucks, dump trucks, picker trucks, walking forward trailers, pneumatic trailers, winch trucks, you name it, needs a PTO. How can this truck run a PTO? Uh, well, this was a semi, and it was... Uh, and again, for those who don't know, a PTO is a... Power takeoff. Okay. But it's a semi truck, so it it's not like a brush truck or a um, cab, you know, cabin chassis or anything like that. This is These are big semi trucks, so not the types of trucks you see in oil field. Uh, I would imagine that potentially the Badger could be something like that with the bed removed, but that's not the market they're going after. Right now, they're going after over-the-road semi-trucks, so that's uh, I don't think that'll be an issue. How much does this truck cost? If I've got to, if I've got to borrow up to my eyeballs to operate this truck, I won't do it. My truck is paid for, and I intend to keep it that way. Uh, well, the, they want to do a plan where you do one payment that pays for everything, fuel, maintenance, insurance, the whole works on one truck. So I don't know if you'll ever truly be able to own their trucks, uh, I think they said the Badger you'll be able to own, but their big semis, their business model was basically an all-inclusive payment uh, to to run the whole thing. He just wasted a bunch of time and effort. He should have just had the following sentence. Nikola, I don't like it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe none of these questions are relevant if all this truck is designed to do is to pull van trailers from warehouse to warehouse. Last thing, if it doesn't have a big square hood, I don't want to drive it. Oh, also, I like the sound of my big Caterpillar. I want to hear my truck. 
says, thanks for reading, guys. And that's our buddy Lars. So I think we answered to the best of our abilities without being experts in the space. I mean, we've had two uh, podcast conversations and no, we've had one conversation on the podcast and one in person. So we're still learning like you guys. We're just trying to bring the info to you that, uh, as well as we can. And here's the crazy part. Like, they're, uh, we're not experts. Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's a new space. It's uh, It's a new frontier. Yeah, I mean, we're not experts, but, you know, I think that the whole industry is trying to figure where this thing pivots to next and, and what the technology is A, going to look like. And I think Trevor's even said it publicly several times. There's not one technology that's right for everything. It's going to be, you know, uh, I'll I paraphrase for like the fact him. that he, when he said that, uh, that hydrogen is just not good for, like, passenger cars community, he's yeah. really a front with it. He's like, yeah, there's, yeah. there's good things that it's good He'll for. He'll admit to you that yeah. it's a tapestry of technologies, and it's going to be a while before each of those technologies kind of finds where the best fit is, right? So maybe electric city van for doing deliveries where you can charge every night at the warehouse. Maybe over-the-road truckers want a fuel cell because of the range. Or maybe the guys in the oil field still need internal combustion diesel. I, I think there's the opportunity where certain technologies will probably be, be more prevalent in certain spaces. He was also up front saying that he's not looking for this technology to take over everything. He's got a very specific mission set that he thinks this technology is right for. So we'll, we'll roll with it. I, uh, I, I, I can't listen to you because all I can think of, Holman, is that we went to visit him before his stock went on sale. Oh and yeah! It went on sale in the low twenties, and uh, like two weeks later, was it sixty four bucks? Yep. You and I could have tripled our money had we just put our money where our mouth was. Uh, I didn't have any money. I was uh, busy spending it on a Jeep <laughs> and Jeep. needing to get it home. Uh, so, Lightning and the other dude starts Wait, Thomas what? Atwood. No. Yes, that's how it is. It's Lightning and the other dude. So okay I cracked up when you guys mentioned Simone's in your last episode because that was our hangout spot. After high school until I ruined it. Huh? Met up with my buddies in the parking lot of Simone's, and for some reason, we decided we could make my YJ do a wheelie. Four guys <laughs> were jumping up and down on the back bumper when I put it into four low and dumped the clutch. Yeah. And sure enough, the front wheels came up. Tried to do it a second time for a video, and as I dumped the clutch, there was nothing but sparks and metal. Snapped the rear yoke, and my drive shaft came out with all my AFT from the T case all over the parking lot. That stain is still there. <laughs> nice. Oh, we should go have a cronut and verify that. Didn't have a front drive shaft in it at the time, so we had to get pulled home and... We were asked to go hang out somewhere else from now on for some strange reason. Sorry, Simones. We were just young and dumb. Keep up the great podcast, guys. It's the only one I listen to from Thomas. All right. Got one last one here from Chris Paul, who is uh, writing us back because I think we chastised him that he never wrote part two of his trip. So it says, picking up my first truck. Flying and road tripping during a pandemic, part two. So it sounds like something I went through. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris says, guys, I'm so sorry. I am a jackass for not riding part two. I think he told us at the beginning. We're like, dude, like, what happened? After landing, I picked up the behemoth and drove from Northern California to SoCal immediately. I stopped at a Catskill somewhere in Madera to weigh this truck, and it came in at 11,060 pounds. After that, I continued on down to my buddy Kyle's house to show my new truck, and that's when things went downhill. As I was leaving, he saw a giant oil leak when I turned off the truck. After searching and diagnosing, one of the high-pressure oil line O-rings was causing the leak. Since it was late, I had to get parts in the morning. Saturday morning. I got the truck fixed up and on the road again. 
I got to see your best friend Clint, and we had a heart to heart on how he should treat you guys nicer when writing into the podcast. <laughs> treat dude, Clint treats me great. It's Holman; he's not so nice too. And he, well, no, we're good. He then helped me pick up my axle. From there, I went to Santa Clarita and picked up some stuff my parents left at their friend's house. They moved to Boise about four months after I did and couldn't fit everything in their moving truck, so I hauled it back for them. I then met up with another friend to show him the truck and then left SoCal to drive to Lodi, south of Sacramento, to see my brother and ride around 11.30. I woke up the next morning, drove to Vacaville, so I could show my other friend the truck. I think there's a theme here. Yeah. He's just showing off showing his off truck. Showing off his truck. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, so I can show my other friend the truck and to weld on tie-down points so that I could haul my brother's Jeep home on the back, and then he let me borrow some ramps. He's got a picture here. It's a uh, looks like a flatbed F650 with a Jeep JK in the back of it, like a backpack. Let me see. All right. So seven three truck for sure. Look at the grill. <laughs> sure yeah, enough, it does look like a little tiny backpack uh, you'd wear to a concert. Uh, that's probably a five fifty because it doesn't have the big body work on it. So I'm going to go F five fifty crew cab long wheelbase uh, cabin chassis mm-hmm. with a flatbed on the back with a Jeep JK on top of that. And that flatbed looks like uh, somebody made it in their uh, driveway. It's a, got some square tubing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, after doing that, drove back to Lodi, picked up the Jeep, put it on the flatbed, and to my surprise, it only squatted 1.5 inches with 6,100 pounds on the back. I then drove all the way back home, got home around 2.30 a.m. Monday morning. It ended up being just under 1,500 miles, which is awesome for being a relatively problem-free trip for a truck with almost 400,000 miles on it. Dang. <laughs> now that it's home, I'll start doing a ton of maintenance, injectors, toy upgrade, etc. Attaches the picture of it in Nevada with my brother's JK on it. Anyway, thanks for all the work you guys do on the podcast, Chris. So, well, thank you for uh, part you. two of yeah. your story, and uh, thanks for sending us the picture so we can visualize a giant old uh, Super Duty cabin chassis with a Jeep as a backpack. And I got a last one here from Trevor. By the way, you guys should write to us, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. We read every single one of them. Whether we read it on the air, that's a different story, but we do read every single email. So please just send us a note from your phone while you're sitting in a parking lot or a rest stop, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Trevor says, uh, I'm currently hauling my O2 money pit Duramax to Auburn with my POS O2 2500 Suburban. Hey, can you uh, remind us what POS stands for? Piece of Anyway, so I've got some time to bombard you with emails as I listen to episode 122. As an In-N-Out burger aficionado, oh, I thought I'd share my order with you. Okay. I'd like to hear this. Why don't you guess what his order is? Number two, animal style, fries well done, and a Dr. Pepper. Double, double plain. Oh. Add grilled onions. Add mustard. Fries. Patty only. That's weird. Light well fries. Try it, Ooh. and you're welcome. Light well fries. What does that even mean, light okay, well so fries? The, what the, is light well fries? The knock on in and out is that they have mushy fries because they're fresh, and they're never frozen. So some people don't like their fries. Some people do. I solve the problem by getting fries well done, which means they cook in the fryer a little bit longer, giving it the crispness. But sometimes they overcrisp, and it's like a potato chip. Because they're that crispy. Yeah, the soggy well, better for me. Lightwell sounds good. Lightwell, interesting. That's going to be your new name on the podcast. That's going to well. be the Truck Show <laughs> podcast with Lightwell and Holman. Yeah. So it's my goal to one day have a map of all of the in and outs in existence and cross off visiting every single one. I've certainly been to a lot considering I probably average twice a week for the past decade. Is Trevor a big guy? I mean, <laughs> I would be a big guy if I ate that. Oh, wait. You are a big guy. <laughs> Sorry. There's been times that I had it for breakfast at 10.30 and dinner, and then again the next day. 
Uh, now I'm hungry, since Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm actually thinking about in and out on the way home from this podcast. That seriously made me freaking hungry. I know. But I'm going to get a double-double with cheese, no tomato, and grilled onions, nope. please. Double-double, animal-style, fries, light, well done, Dr. Pepper. Oh, yeah, good call. All right, well, uh, if you guys want to send us emails, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And I think uh, now we've got some truck news. Truck news! What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? That was better that than was last nice. time. Last time was way bad. better than last time. That was bad. Why were we so bad on that last time? Mormon Tabernacle Choir got nothing on us. I guess they don't do us. There's more of like a big choir that sing. I was thinking of like harmonies. All right. Um, <laughs> right along here. Uh, built to serve the 2020 Ram 1500 Special Edition trucks. Uh, if you remember, they were doing uh, one for each branch of the military that uh, you could buy. And so part two. They were subtly different, right? Well, they had unique uh, colors and some badging and some stuff like that. So back in November, if you remember, they announced a line of special edition Ram 1500 pickups dedicated to all five branches of the United States Armed Forces. The built-to-serve edition was launched on Veterans Day in conjunction with the company's goal of providing a cumulative 1.3 million community volunteer hours from Ram Nation members before Veterans Day 2020. So the first trucks to be honored were the U.S. Army, uh, which were available in Gator Green and Diamond Black. Only 1,000 of them were produced. And in conjunction with Flag Day, which was just June 14th, Ram introduced the second run of five built-to-serve edition trucks. The second wave will honor the Navy and be offered in nautical-themed ceramic gray or Patriot blue, but also limited to 1,000 units. And so uh, says these built-to-serve edition trucks are based on the Bighorn trim. These special built-to-serve edition trucks are based on the Bighorn trim and upfit from that point. Aside from their unique exterior colors, built-to-serve edition trucks also receive stylized interior accents that include a unique built-to-serve instrument cluster, Built-to-serve embroidered seat panels, Velcro panels on the front seat for attaching patches, uh, front seat back panels covered with pouch attachment ladder system or molly uh, webbing to attach additional equipment or pouches, and custom all-weather slush mats on the floors. And the exterior gets uh, the unique paint colors, the American flag and built-to-serve decals on the rear quarter panels. Uh, wheels are 20 inches. You get body color wheel flares, and there's unique tr- uh, treatment on the front grille. Anyway, if you want to check them out, uh, there's a bunch of photos on the RAM website, so... Uh, no, let, let me ask you this. Do you have to be active or former military? Meaning, do you just you show a, an ID or something? Or how, how do you get one? How do they make sure that I don't get one because I don't deserve one? Well, I mean, I think you can buy one if you have green money. Oh, so they, I mean. I think they're doing it to honor the branches. I don't know that you have to be a member of the military. Well, that's lame. Well, I mean, you know, I think that uh, if you have stolen valor, you'll get your truck keyed. I mean, but I, I, I huh. They should make sure schmoes like me don't get one. Well, I, I mean, I think that uh, it's America, so buy what you want. But uh, if uh, you're touting yourself as being some sort of a military person, you probably won't go unnoticed. Uh, by the way, next up will be Anvil and Bill Silver Trucks honoring the Air Force, followed by Tank and Flame Red for the Marine Corps. And finally, Spitfire and Bright White for the Coast Guard. So even the Coasties get one. Now, it sounds like they're just giving the existing paint schemes new names. Uh, nope, they are not. So they're just slightly different shades? No, you can. Those are those are actual colors that you can get. Gator comes on uh, the JLs. Flame red was what my old JK was. Look, look at me right now. Yes, this is the thin edition. It's not, but I can call it the thin edition. Okay, well, and your point is what? I'm just saying. Uh, can, let me. Can I? I want to see like the anvil color compared to 
the non-Anvil color. No, Anvil is actually a color that is offered in the Chrysler portfolio. Anvil was actually a JK color. True, really? Yes. Okay. Flame Red was a JK color. There, Billet Silver is available on all sorts of trucks. I don't know why you're questioning the color palette that Ram has selected. I, I, I don't know. I think what they're doing is cool, but right. I just want to make sure it's yeah. truly original. It's not cool, uh, at least until they get the uh, new Space Force edition ah. in there. T minus 10, 9. Every time eight, you get in, seven, when you turn six, the key, that's what it says. Five, yeah, exactly. Uh, speakers. No, you get a three, diesel, and this two, is the glow plugs. Ignition. Yeah. There's uh, there's the glow plugs. I think it should be offered in uh, galaxy black with a lot of a uh, lot of um, speckle speckle in it. Yeah, a little okay. flake. No. Well, if I'm sitting in it, it's you got a flake right there. All right, moving right <laughs> along. Uh, how about Range Rover turning the old fifty years old? You and Range Rover are very close in age. Did you know that? No, dude, it's got uh, it's got twenty years on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, the Range Rover, which is the brand, the sub brand mm-hmm. of Land Rover. Land if Rover. If you would ask me how, I would have said it was like a thousand years old. Like it's been around forever. Well, I mean, it it has been around your entire lifetime, just not much longer than that. Oh, dude, what's, you're coming at me like that. I mean, seriously, like when they were making like uh, you know, like brick, you know, the, the pyramids. Were you also back born in Meso- Mes- Mesopotamia? Were you also born in the late sixties? Uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> but just I barely. Was not. No, not even close to barely. I was like 70. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The uh, birth of the Range Rover was back mm-hmm. in the late 60s as engineers at Rover hatched a plan to combine the comfort and on-road ability of a Rover sedan with the off-road ability of a Land Rover. And the end result was the first generation of Range Rover, 100-inch wheelbase. Uh, it was also known as the Range Rover Classic, was built from 1970 to 1996 and was originally only available as a two-door during its 26-year lifespan, the Classic continued to evolve with the introduction of the four-door model in 1981, automatic transmission in 1982, as well as electronic traction control and air suspension in 1992. From there, the P38 was the second generation of Range Rover, the last to have solid axles and a ladder frame, which is maybe the last of the real uh, Range right. Rovers. Uh, if When I think of those things, you know what I think about? Camel Trophy. Camel Trophy? Yeah. What do you mean? Just Google Camel Trophy. It, it's it's badass. It's back when uh, Land Rovers were real, when they uh, did the things that... See, here's the deal. Today's Land Rovers, super capable, but they're not like the old school ones. The old school ones did things like Camel Trophy that, that gave them the legendary status that they, uh, that they hold today. Oh, Camel is in the cigarettes. Yes. And it was some kind of an off-road race? Uh, sort of like, yeah, but it was more than that. It was like a... Uh, uh, a rally, a race, a stage. I mean, it just it was very technical. All the different things you had to do was t- based on teamwork and navigation. The Camel and- Trophy originated in 1980 with three Jeep-equipped German teams exploring the Amazon Basin. After that first event, the organizers turned to Land Rover for support. And over the course of the next 20 years, all of the Land Rover vehicle range were used. Yep. No kidding. Yep. And there were special editions where you can buy Camel Trophy lookalikes at your dealer and all that kind of good stuff. Those are uh, pretty sought after today. They're not attractive, in my opinion. Well, you're- Not uh, even a little. You're weird. Hey, uh, the 53rd annual Sierra Trek is a go for 2020. The Sierra Trek? That is an epic Jeep off-road uh, run through like the Fordyce Creek area in, uh, in Gold Country. And uh, it'll be August 6th through 9th. So I just wanted to bring that up because in the world of cancellation, you can go on the Sierra Track and go have an epic time. And the last bit of news I have to share with you is Ford has finally announced the day that the Bronco will be unveiled. 
I saw that. <laughs> I get a weekly call from uh-huh. a Ms. Nicole Alvarez, who's uh-huh. a DJ on a radio station, uh-huh. who is obsessed. And she knows that you know something about it. So she says, hey, your buddy, your buddy with the knowledge, with the- we, He's talking to, about me? Yeah. She's like, your, your co-host on the podcast, yeah. I know he knows something, uh-huh. and I'm going to call you every week and tell- Well, why doesn't you, she just message me on Facebook? I think we're friends on there. I don't know. Okay. She just, but she just, we're talking about other things, sure. but she just needs to know. Okay. And then it dropped, that news dropped while we were on a call not too long ago, a couple okay. days ago, and she's like, hey, what am- <gasps> Okay. And the conversation paused. Then she's like, "But did you I see just the found- date? Uh, July nineteen or something? July 9th. July nine. Do you know the significance of that date? I don't. Which is freaking hilarious because it's like Ford's little Easter egg to the world. I don't. I think you need to look up July 9th birthdays on Google. Okay, uh, famous people born on July 9th. You've got uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, no. Courtney Love uh, from Hole. Courtney Love, yeah. Yep. Kelly McGillis. Fred Savage of yeah. uh, The Wonder Years. Uh, let's see here. Brian Dennehy. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> O.J. Simpson! O.J. Simpson! <laughs> so Ford has announced that the new Bronco will debut That's on O.J. Simpson's freaking birthday. amazing. I don't know who did that or if it's just a coincidence. It's not. Not a coincidence. There's no way it's a coincidence. But obviously Ford didn't say anything about it, and some journalists picked it up, and it was like, oh, damn. That is amazing. Yeah. That is great. You yeah. guys all remember O.J., right, in the slow In speech? the Bronco. Yeah, in the slow So chase. I worked at a Ford dealership in the 90s. I think the was the Bronco Chase 94, 95? I don't know. 96, somewhere in there. When I worked at the Ford dealership, we had a customer mm-hmm. who had a white, uh, as my generation will call it, I'm sure yours does as well, OJ Bronco. That's not funny when you say the whole generations thing. We're the well, same generation. We, I By guess the way, the, we were uh, barely born in the uh, same decade. The uh, June 17th, 1994 was the slow speed okay. chase. So uh, at the dealership in 96, white Bronco, license plate, swear to God, OJ D-I-D-I-T. OJ did it. It's yes. awesome. On a white Bronco. That is phenomenal. I wonder one if that's be- still out there. I don't know. One of the best plates I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. I know we've had the conversation about personalized plates. That might be my favorite. The second favorite I've ever seen was on a, when the Camaros reemerged, right? Uh-huh. Uh, they're kind of retro modern looking. There was a lady driving who looked like a, oh, uh, you know, librarian, for lack of a better uh, word. Like just- Look like a lady in her probably late fifties, early sixties. Put together, put together, but older. Like got her Camaro that she probably had one in high school. New one came out and said I had to have it. It was a red Camaro RS, and the license plate K I C K S R S kicks arse kicks arse kicks arse. And I was like, that's that's solid. I mean, oh. come on, that's solid. But OJ did it. That's got to be top of the license plate game right there. Uh, July 9, Bronco News and OJ's birthday. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Holman, it's been way too long since we've done some Know Your Note. You ready? I'm ready. Come on now, it's time to take a trip down Speedy Lane. We're going to play an exhaust for you, and nope, we're not insane. Well, maybe a little. Know Your Note. Come on and cast your vote. Know your note. Get it right and you can gloat. Know your note. Vroom, 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 vroom. <laughs> Still cracks me up. 
I don't, um... That's either four or eight cylinder, right? No, that's a six. That's a six? Really? It's revs revving way too fast. But it's not... It's a, I feel like that's a four. It's four with a just a crappy-ass muffler. Or just open open exhaust. That's possible. I don't know. So Jeremy Montez says it's a trick. Oh, okay. I don't know. Jeremy, what? He's making me scroll all the way down. Oh, you dick. This is my 04 BMW M3 when I fired it up with open headers while replacing my rear axle. I know it's not a truck, but it is an i6 engine, like all of my old beloved Jeeps that I sold to buy this damn thing so I could go really fast. Safely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was a trick. I'm glad. Uh, I was thinking six or four, but uh, yeah, sounded awful. M3s usually sound pretty sweet. Throw a muffler on that thing. Oh, diesel. I think we know that. Yeah, it's a big, sounds like a big rig. That's from Trevor. No, that's uh, that's a Cummins. But he didn't give us any answers. All right, so uh, I don't know. My man in Lightning here thinks it's a Cummins. I think it's a semi. Did, uh, did Trevor write anything to us? He did follow up. I'm seeing now he's got an email that says, uh, this was the monumental moment, at least to me, that my 350,000-mile 2002 GMC Duramax ZF6 six-speed manual started up for the very first time in over a year. So neither of us were right. Wow. That thing did not sound like a Duramax. did not sound like a Duramax. I feel so lame. I embarked on a long snowballing journey of putting in a rebuilt ZF6. South Bend, dual disc, organic clutch, Ford NP271, T-case, injector, CP3 pump, new fuel lines, lift pump, water pump, harmonic balancer, and a bunch of other little crap somewhere around a year ago. Unfortunately, due to the truck being in SoCal and me living up in NorCal, I could only work on it over the weekends after traveling down. I've been waiting for this moment for so dang long, now I can finally move on to stage three of the truck, where I'll throw even more ridiculous money at it, and it'll be down yet again. Why do I do this to myself, says Trevor? Well, because you, sir, are <laughs> a, a truck, truck enthusiast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay, now that is a big rig. Yeah, that's a big rig for sure. But what, though? I'm going to say it's something different, like an international or something, you know, like a Mac. Like a Mac? Yeah. Big Mac truck. I don't I'm know. I'm going to say Packard just because. Packard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's definitely a semi. Um, All right. Well, Brandon writes in afterwards and says, so I bet you couldn't guess that one. Anyway, it's an E9 V8 motor in a Mac CL700 nice. semi. No way. Nice. Good for me. The engine is a giant 16.1 liter V8 that pulls like a freight train. Sound is through dual 7-inch straights. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work and five stars. Five star review. Five stars. Did that come with an email or anything? Mm, It did. It came with a video. I'm opening up the video portion now. Oh, wow. 
I would not. I'm not going to spoil it. I, Are you going to read the email that came with it? I can. Yes. Like, uh, is there any background to this one, or is it just the sound? He does say this one might stump us. Oh no, sorry. Uh, yeah, Chris does uh, follow up with an email. Hey guys, sorry for the short clip, but this one is definitely going to stump you. Sadly, I don't have this vehicle anymore, so I can't get a better video. Hmm. All right, I'm going to scroll down for the answer. Oh, okay. I'm reading it. There's no way I would have guessed it. What do you think it is? What What was that sound? Play it again. Give me a guess. Well, it's definitely not a V8. It's definitely not a four-cylinder. It doesn't sound like a V6. I'm going to go with a straight six again. Okay. But I'm not confident in that answer. <laughs> like it, just, it just doesn't sound – I'm trying to do like, like uh, uh, what do they call that? Um, decision by uh, default or something like that. Mm, sure. I'm choosing the thing that isn't there. Um, based on what I know it isn't. How about a 2000 Jeep TJ with a four liter with Banks nice. headers and a Flowmaster Super 40 exhaust? Hey, it's a six, straight yeah, six. Yeah. Two straight sixes in this one. Uh, that did stump me. So uh, congratulations on that. I was, uh, I wouldn't have guessed a Jeep four liter. Okay, that's, uh, that's V8. What is this? Yeah, it's 100% that's a V8. Yeah. Say, uh, I think it's a Hemi. All right, I'll go with Hemi. You going with Hemi? Okay. Let's see if there's anything more. Nope. Okay. Apparently, this is Ryan Evans 2008 oh. Dodge Magnum 5.7 Rotary uh, Track RT with Kook long tube headers. My buddy Ryan, who I just saw in Detroit last week. Yeah, it's got uh, Magnaflow Free Flow Cats and Corsa mufflers with, and a Corsa muffler with no resonators. Since installed a, a seven-pound blower and Magnaflow complete exhaust system to make it more of a sleeper, puts down how many horsepower, Holman? That's the correct answer. Four hundred and twenty-one. Oh, right. I didn't have time to think about it. <laughs> He's got another one for us. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> That's a bike. Yeah, it's a bike for sure. It's a motorcycle. Dude, that's a dry clutch. That's a that's a that's a duck. Tell me that's gotta be a Ducati. Yeah, for sure. Dry clutch. 100 percent Ducati. Yep. Right, give me some gas. When I had a Buell, we used to make fun of the Ducati guys for their dry clutch. They would make fun of us for our shaking V-twins, and we'd be like, oh, at least our clutch doesn't sound broken. Give me some gas. Oh, yeah, listen to that click. Oh, yeah. Motorcyclist wet dream right there. Did you ever own a Ducati? You were a motorcycle guy. Never did. Had a uh, CBR 600, had a GSXR 600. I uh, used to borrow my Why, a thousand uh, you thought would kill you? What's that? Because <laughs> a thousand would kill you? Yeah, it was too much bike for oh, No, I agree. Too much bike. 600 is too much bike yeah. for a lot of people. Well, that's what a uh, Ducati sounds like at idle. All right. Well, I feel dirty now that we ended with a bike. I mean, this is no, a truck show I podcast. Feel, I don't feel dirty at all. We got to mix no? it up. Okay. Yeah. It's all good. Thanks, Ryan, for the clips. If you guys want to send yours in, um, we recommend you email them to us. So just record the uh, the clip on your iPhone or Android and save it as a file. Then just attach it and send it to us, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, or record it as a voicemail, 657-205-6105 in our five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. Either way, we'll get it, we'll play it, we'll be stumped, and we'll sound like morons.
<laughs> Speak for yourself, pal. I think I think I've held my own. I don't think I've gotten them all right, but I've held my own on them. Ish, ish for damn sure. All right, what do you say we uh, read some reviews? I think it's been a while. Uh, let's start with this one. I cannot believe you've lasted this long. <laughs> Why does she always say the same thing? Uh, Alice, they, can't you be more creative uh, than that? On, it's on my keyboard right here. I just push a button, and she says things like... Lightning, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. She also says... Guys, I've seen the suckage meter. Mm-hmm. You've pinned the needle on this episode. You know what she was saying to me earlier tonight about your adventure? I don't. Did you take advantage of any lot lizards? <laughs> <laughs> Did you, Holman? Uh, I will never tell. Will never oh, tell. no. Uh, all I can say is I-80 is really good to you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, was that's she out there? Hey, who said she? <laughs> oh, snap! <laughs> all right, you going to read some reviews? All right. <laughs> I don't know what any of that meant. We got one here from Julio1023 that says, Favorite Podcast. Hey guys, been listening since Kaufman was on. I've gone back and listened to all the episodes before it. I work in an auto body shop and love being able to nerd out on all the little facts and stories to the guys I work with. All the useless knowledge, if you will. I'm in Utah, and I love trucks. You guys do a great job, and I love the wide range of guests you have on. Keep up the great work, and five stars! Got one from uh, Jeech to 4 says, what the what? I just listened to number 110. Do it. That's not one of our catchphrases. What the what? Do we say that? Uh, I think she is uh, has some explaining in her oh. in her review here. Oh, I see. Go ahead. I listened to episode 110. I'm a little behind. And I must call shenanigans on Holman. What? Hmm? There was this question from a son whose dad had just purchased a new high country and asked- So what you're saying is- You are a liar. We haven't even gotten anywhere in the review. All right. Anyway, there was a question from a son whose dad had just purchased a new high country and asked, what is the first thing that should be added or changed? Holman said, add nothing. Just enjoy driving it. I could not believe my ears. Mr. Holman, when have you ever purchased a vehicle and not immediately done something to it or pulled it apart? Am I wrong? Can you name one? Oh, and... Five stars to my favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holman is full of crap. Yeah, well, I, the answer to that is I don't believe I've ever had anything that I didn't. Been stock? Ever. Yes. Ever. Not even the Jeep that's sitting out there anymore. Your body's not even stock. You've no, added No, I've onto added, it. I've added lots onto it. Yeah, absolutely. In the midsection there. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like I've had any plastic surgery. I still have the lack of hair. Sure. Uh, I still uh, still have dad shorts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, uh, I've I, 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 let's say, I've grown into myself. Or out of this chair. <laughs> All right, uh, we've got one from uh, J-R-E-R-M-Y. I'm assuming Jeremy, 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell yeah. Love your show. Been binging all the shows. Can't wait to get caught up. You guys are awesome. And five, five stars. And uh, one last one here from uh, hashtag yeah buddy. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. One last one. We only got three new reviews. Four? Four reviews. Four reviews. We need more. Yeah, dude. Come on, come people. On. Help us out. Dudes and dudettes. Head over to uh, the podcast app or iTunes and uh, give us a five-star rating and leave some words and we'll read them on the show. Please do. That would mean a lot to us. Just like Walter Struckman has. And he says, been listening for a while now and the jingles are finally starting to endear themselves. They were a hard pill to swallow at first. Oh, I- <laughs> come on. I have especially enjoyed your interviews oh. with Brian. I've especially enjoyed your interviews with Freiberger and Gail Banks. Those guys have the best stories. In general, I really enjoy all your I like guests. how everyone compliments us for our interviews, but- uh, Not on our show? We personally? No, we we blow, yeah. Uh, totally. 
Uh, he says, uh, those guys have the best stories. In general, I really enjoy all your guests as you guys host people who are passionate about what they're doing. And it's interesting to see how they got to where they are now. I would like to hear from the rest of the Motor Trend hosts. The longer you guys ramble on with interesting people, the better. I really enjoy putting in my earbuds and working on the shop or yard as time flies by. Keep up with the good works and P.S. Shirt Size XL, Walter. And... Five stars. stars. All right. Well, thank you so much to uh, everybody who checked in on the show, whether it was uh, from the reviews, from the email, from the uh, – oh, there weren't any five-star hotlines. People, 657-205-6105, leave us some messages. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. We really do appreciate when you guys uh, send us messages. We do our best to uh, respond to them. That's not true. We don't respond to really any of them. We just read them all. We the read them all. Yeah, we do read I them all. I sometimes respond, but it's it's hard to catch up because you guys leave us stuff on Instagram. You guys leave us stuff on Facebook. You guys leave us stuff in our email. Like, you guys leave us voicemails. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I can't, just can't do it all for sure. So at Truck Show Podcast and pretty much all this on the uh, the important socials. And then uh, your build is at uh, what are you? You're at Sean P Holman right on Instagram, and I'm at LBC Lightning on Instagram. And then uh, we both got, I have Russ D. Max, that's R-U-S dot D. I'm watching you fail your, through the social. Why am, I, why am I failing? But what's funny is you're trying to remember all these things while the bed is going on in the outro, yeah. and you're trying to me- not to mess up so we don't have to redo this part. I'm not going to redo and this And it's part. funny. I know. And it's funny because you're like, and you have a at Adventure G. I'm just going to motor through it. ADV, J-E-E-P. Yeah, this is where we just do it. So we got a plug fest. We just the outro. go on down. <laughs> go on down the line. All right, well, if you need a vehicle to go on down the line, then uh, you'll want to check out our friends over oh, at Nissan. Did you hear that guy? <laughs> NissanUSA.com. And you can check out the uh, truck with America's best warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles. That's the Nissan Titan, Titan uh-huh. XD. Or check out the uh, Frontier with the new 3.8-liter V6 and nine-speed automatic transmission. Mm-hmm. Or the line of NV commercial vans. You won't be disappointed. Or, hey, check out the little Sentra. I'm just plugging it because it was a cool little car to have for a week. So uh, kudos to uh, Nissan for uh, making a fun little car. And, of course, our friends over at DACT. If you're looking for the best cargo organizer for your trucker van, there is no better drawer system out there than the ball-bearing, lockable, watertight, sliding drawer, fits 2,000 pounds, lock-your-junk deck system. Lock your junk deck system. Yeah, you like that? You just petered out right I was, the Well, end. I was trying to come up with as many adjectives as possible. So you're clowning me for trying to get over the intro. No, with no all I of wasn't our... doing it over the over the bed. So what? So that means that if I messed up, we could just re-record that. People if you messed up, we, we have record. to do the whole bed. People don't understand what we do behind the scenes. Decks.com. Yeah, deck.com. Do you want to give it a, a whirl with a, how many adjectives you can do? Go. 15 seconds. Go. What do you mean how many adjectives? Just deck system. What is it? Go. Rad. Come on. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, you did it all. All right, just check it. You did it all. Look, look, look. If you guys have uh, you know, some medium-density fiberboard jackassery in the back of your <laughs> truck bed that's it's time for a deck holding, system. Yeah, get a deck system. You know what I mean? If the lame. rain's eating away at the plywood you've constructed back there to hold your tool chest in place, yeah. and stop if, it. And if you're hauling your deck system around with one of those stinking V6 full-size trucks, get yeah. yourself a 5.6-liter endurance-powered Titan. Rah! Manly man stuff. And uh, if you are like me, you should go out and buy yourself a uh, six-burner Weber stainless steel grill. And then uh, invite your friends over. What you making for dinner? Uh, I think we're going to start off with tri-tip. What time should I be there? Oh, about that. I think we're limited to the uh, number of people we can have at our house to celebrate the new grill. I'll bring a mask. <laughs> 